I think your uh, priorities are always shifting. Yeah. And you just try and balance what's most important at any mm-hmm. given time. So mm-hmm. today it might be something different than tomorrow. Um, and then, like, that's kind of just, like, the micro, like, things that you're doing. Then you just got to look at the macro. Like, what's your actual goal and is it what yeah. you're doing actually driving towards that? This is Golden Hour, where filmmakers and photographers come together to inspire, educate, and challenge each other to capture perfection. In each episode, we dive into the mind of a creator to better understand their creative process and the steps they take to achieve it. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we're here in the Polar Pro studio, and today's guest is Matt Como. Matt is the former head of social content at GoPro and currently works as a film director. Matt has paved his way in the music industry as well, where he has directed and contributed to music video productions by some of the biggest names in the industry right now, including The Chainsmokers, Tiesto, Post Malone, and Gray. We sat down and talked about the transition from working for a big brand to then taking from that experience to create a brand for himself. I really enjoyed my interview with Matt and was really inspired to hear his creative process. He just has his hands in everything. He's a musician, he's a filmmaker, a photographer, and he's traveled the world doing all of these things. I think anyone who's interested in the creative process of filmmaking, but also somebody who's just an all-around artist will really be inspired to hear this interview with Matt. If you're a fan of the show, please consider subscribing if you haven't already in your podcast platform. And if you could go in iTunes and rate this podcast, give it five stars, give us a little review in the Apple podcast app if you use it on an iPhone. Without any further ado, let's listen in on my interview with Matt. All right, we're here with Matt Como. Did I say it right? Yep. Como? Yeah. People say it any other way than that? Not really, no. (laughs) Come on, come on. We're going to start off with a little game we play called One Word Rapid Fire. Sweet. And we'll just try to keep it like, you know, 30 seconds or so. Cool. I'm just going to ask you some quick questions and just be as fast as you possibly can with your answers. Okay. That's kind of the most authentic way to answer these. Okay. Rather than thinking about it. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a quick question. Give me that answer as fast as possible. Sweet. YouTube or Instagram? Instagram. Hometown? Your Belinda. SoCal or Bay Area? SoCal. Nice. Commercial content or personal curation? Uh, uh, Personal curation. Favorite place you have ever traveled to? Tokyo. Nice. Go-to favorite camera? Right now. Aerie Alexa. Ooh, okay. Playing big. (laughs) How would you describe... (laughs) How would you describe your editing style? This has to be in one word. Clean. Clean. Love it. We nailed it. That was probably under 45 seconds. Oh, that's quick. That's easy. (laughs) Alexa, dude. Yeah, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. If you have, like, the ability to choose anything in the whole wide world, Mm. that's the one to shoot on. Definitely. Do you own one? I don't, um, but a lot of the projects that I've been doing and I have coming up, they're, like, skewing a lot more towards, like, higher commercial end type work. Um, You shoot on the mini a lot? Yeah, mostly mini. um, And then been doing a lot of, like, anamorphic. Have you lenses. played with the new uh, LF, the large format? I haven't. No, not yet. Yeah. I'm it's sure like it's incredible. It's a full frame Alexa. I haven't either, but uh, when I was directing, I used the Mini a lot and really love it. It's I incredible. Mean, you don't. It's really hard to like ruin a color grade on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> just everything looks so good it's on so it. It's so nice. Um, so let's start out kind of from the beginning. Uh, you mentioned you're from uh, your Belinda, which yeah. I'm kind of a new Californian. I've only been here for uh, like nine, ten months. Uh, and when I heard about that city, I was like, your 
Belinda. Like it's such yeah. a funny. <laughs> it's, it's a, a f- weird word. <laughs> it sounds like Y O U R, you know, Belinda, but it's not. It's Y O R B A. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. But yeah. So you grew up in the o- the O C. The O C. Yeah. <laughs> not too far from here. So we're in people that know where this is. We're in Costa Mesa. It's like yeah. probably twenty five minutes from yeah. here. Twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Super and, close. And a lot of people don't realize this, but Orange County and L A. They're very close to each other. But they're very different. Like it's almost like two different cultures. Oh my god, it's like yeah. completely polar opposites. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, and so a lot of people who have families tend to live in OC, mm-hmm. and then they commute to LA or whatever. Uh, you can definitely have a family and live in LA, but it's more expensive, a little bit more crowded. Exactly. Yeah. It's a little different. So, yeah. Uh, what was it like growing up in Orange County? I loved it. I yeah. mean, it's all I know. So it's like my hometown, and yeah, uh, of course. I just love like the beach, like surfing, like culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. I nice. w- can't imagine growing up anywhere else. Where'd you go to college? Chapman university. Yeah. We had a friend uh, of the podcast that went there. Really? S- Sydney Deongson is his name. Huh? What yeah. year did he graduate? Um, I think he's like he my graduate? age. So yeah, he graduated. Okay. He's like 28. So okay. I don't know. What probably the, just past yeah. my, uh, my time there. So yeah. are you younger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you start getting interested in like filmmaking and stuff like that? Definitely pretty early. Um, probably when I was like 14, mm-hmm. um, first picked up a camera, shot like skateboarding with the friends, like nice. kind of like, you know, the usual, like, was it like up. a family camera that you had laying around? Or? Yeah. I think the first one, um, it was like, uh, one of those like Canon point and shoots, like a really yeah. small one. Like I think they were called like the digital elf. Oh yes, um, I know that had this. like a little video mode on it, mm-hmm. and it was my mom's. So it was that, a point and shoot camera for still photography that had a video function. Yeah, that it was my pro- camcorder. No, that was probably like the first one that I kind of picked up and started yeah. playing with, and then I bought like a little Sony like handy cam, yeah. and then just. You know what's funny is uh, if you are a fan of Casey Neistat, like mm-hmm. some of his older videos before he was using like a DSLR for video, he was actually shooting on those cameras. Those little they're pretty shoots. good for the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, they're not bad and they're tiny. You can put them in your pocket. So. Exactly. So yeah, I started out doing like skateboard stuff, just stuff with your friends. Yeah. And then uh, started doing some stuff in high school, filmed like the track and field team nice. a little bit. And then I just like... I feel like sometimes like the career picks the man and the man picks the career. And Uh like, this is definitely a case where it's just like, I knew this was it. So, yeah. Did you end up pursuing that in college as well? Was that like your, yeah. Did you get a degree in like video? Yeah. Um, so my major is film production and then within film production, you can emphasize in different things. So there's like directing, editing, cinematography, um, screenwriting. I did cinematography. Nice. Did you enjoy that process? I loved it. I loved it. Chapman's like, they're coming up too. Uh, I think they're like number like six or seven now in the country for film. And then my class specifically, there was only, I think like eight kids in it or nine kids for cinematography. So it's like very, uh, exclusive is not the right word because it has a kind no, of like I mean, a snooty like, connotation to it. You have a little bit more one-on-one with your professor. Yeah. You get probably more hands-on with the equipment because there's just less of you. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not like going to USC where like you're competing with all your your classmates. and Yeah. You know. um, it's definitely was like very selective. And I, uh, I mean, like the two guys who started Stranger Things with the Chapman. Um, oh, cool. A lot of my peers. The brothers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of my peers are doing like a lot of amazing things in like the music video space. And so it's like, it's definitely on the come up. And I think within the next, uh, decade to two decades, you'll see a lot of like newer age Hollywood ushering in. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the 
front runners of that movement will be a lot of kids from Chapman. Why is that? Do you think there's just like, because it's not USC, there's a little bit of uh, people have maybe a little better work ethics or there's uh, probably, yeah, there's probably an <laughs> element of that. But then I always think there's like this intangible where it always seems like, and it's not just with film, but like with a lot of things where like groups of people kind of congregate and like push themselves yeah. and like break in through things like together. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've read like tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell I've heard or, of it. or outsiders, but he talks about that. There's like a weird phenomenon where like ultra successful people in different disciplines, it could be sport, music, yeah. film, whatever. They kind of like all come from the same place at the same time. Yeah. And I like kind of already That's see cool. that happening. You can see that in, um, they call it a, like the when Spielberg Scorsese, right. They were yeah, all yeah. part of that wave of new Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, just changing film and it like they're all friends like it's a yeah. little rat pack together and i already see that happening yeah right now, and you got so. team 10 and the mavericks and all mm-hmm. that on youtube exactly yeah yeah <laughs> a little different but, exactly uh, it's happening yeah. on vine and youtube uh you know the viners all transition to youtube mm-hmm. as a pack right exactly um so how did you so let's talk about gopro because uh if people follow you they might know about your affiliation with them mm-hmm. when did that what happened? What's the story there with GoPro? Um, so I started working for them, I think within like, it was like a week or a week and a half after graduating. Amazing. Um, yeah. Very <laughs> but fast. But your parents were very happy. Uh, yeah. I don't think they understood what was actually happening <laughs> to be completely honest. Like they okay. knew what GoPro was obviously, but I don't think they really understood like, uh-huh. the impact of it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I moved from Orange County to the Bay right away wow. and then, uh, just put my head down and worked. What was that like going up there? Um, I guess it was like a little scary. I didn't have yeah. really any friends up there and it was like yeah. a brand new place. Um, but it's, you know, it's probably the same thing for you, like moving from Nashville yeah. to here. It's like, sure. you kind of know it's like the right thing deep down. So you just do it. And there's a little bit of, uh, insecurity and discomfort in the process, but you just power through it and go on to the next thing. So what was your position there when you first started? Um, I was on the social media team. Uh Um, and it was like doing a lot of like the grunt work Uh (laughs) as it should be, you know, (laughs) um, a lot of answering emails, a lot of like curation and, uh, yeah, just, uh, proving that I'm like worth something. And what was your, how long were you there? Uh, Total? Two years and nine, ten months, somewhere around there. It's called three years. Yeah, and like, what what was some of your biggest takeaways from working at GoPro? Well, I would say it's like maybe two or three things. I think the first is that I got to travel the entire world. Oh, that's so cool. it gave me. And it was paid for. It paid for, yeah. So it gave me uh, definitely like a worldly perspective. Very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing was is you're you know in charge of like social media operations for a billion dollar company. And like that has like a lot of pressure and there's a lot of um, like formality to it. And a lot of like things that you need to understand about how like a business works. So that was probably be the second thing. And then the third thing would be, um, you know, I was at GoPro through, I mean, as you know, that they've had like a lot of ups and downs with different like product launches and different things and just observing um, from a younger perspective of like how, the company just handled it, how the CEO mm. handled it. And it's just like, um, it's like those little things that just are so valuable. Yeah. What did you learn in terms of just like how to make a, a, a effective ad or an effective video? What are some things that you learned from GoPro and then things that you even 
probably poured into the company yourself like because when i think about gopro as a brand they've just nailed it like yeah yeah they have this like action sport brand totally on point and it's funny because like i don't even know what their demographic is but i would imagine that most people that buy gopros Mm -hmm. don't do high action sports it's like normal people who walk into best buy and they want a camera to film their kids with. Right. And honestly, it's not a good camera to film your kids with because <laughs> the wide-angle distortion is all over the place. The yeah, audio is yeah. terrible. But they've, I feel like in a way, people fantasize about wanting to be a motocross person. Mm. And the advertisement like sells them on, like, if you buy this, you can go skydiving and be awesome yeah but then you end up just not really using the camera for For those things (laughs) well yeah well i mean i think above all with any business it's two aspects you have brand and you have product and uh you know i I think what you're speaking about is the phenomenon of just having a really really strong brand and you know it's like whether you're choosing to wear adidas or nikes you it's an extension of a representation of what you want to be yeah or who you already are. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why a lot of people like really identify with the brand is, you know, they want to live adventurous, yeah. outdoorsy, um, thrilling lives. Mm-hmm. And they feel like having a GoPro with them is in some way like empowerment to do that. Yeah, totally. Did you, um, like in terms of video production, mm. what were some things that you were doing at GoPro that were a lot of fun for you? Um, definitely, uh, we were doing a lot. Um, like going on different like product launch video shoots uh when we launched hero six like i did like the whole european like kind of like tour with them um doing like the global launch in the states did you do did you shoot stuff for the for the launch ad um i would have to go back through dude there's like that was that's like a year-long process and there's there's so many teams that are involved with it every time they release a new camera they release a film that's shot on that camera yeah and it's incredible it's always. always incredible and it's always like okay there is a crew of people making this like yeah because it looks so perfect mm-hmm. but it's shot on gopro so they can still market it and sell it as shot on gopro but it's also shot on gopro with a million dollar budget <laughs> right yeah yeah and it's also like you know the shoots would take months and months uh-huh. you're all over the world you have the best athletes. Mm-hmm. You have people that know how to use the cameras the best. Yeah. Like, you know, they I'm put sure the chess pieces in the right places to make the best video possible. Are, th- are things like that outsourced or is, is there an internal video team that does that stuff? Uh, everything was internal. Really? Yeah. So they hire the best like cinematographers and stuff internally? Yeah. Everything wow. was internal. And um, y- as I was like kind of leaving, um, a kind of the structure of how things were marketed were also kind of like starting to be changed. So for example, when I first started, everything was 100% GoPro, every single ad, everything was driven through that. Uh And then as I was kind of transitioning out, um, different companies were starting to be outsourced to do like much more of like traditional advertisements. Yeah. Um, so it's shot on Ari with a guy holding a GoPro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, gotcha. which was like a big change and like, sure. there definitely was like a lot of back and forth for like, even, that's what Apple does. So it's good. For yeah. Them, right? It's not like a, it's not a bad thing, you know, it's like you got to move and evolve with the times. Um, yeah. but that was probably the only time I think things were outsourced and rightfully. So it's gotcha. a different skill set, a different, uh, directing mindset. Yeah. Why did you leave? Did you quit? Did you get fired? No. Um, you know, I just think uh, 
I'm only 25. I yeah. started there when I was leaving, or I was 21 turning 22. That was your first job. Yeah. So well, you, not technically, but well, straight out of college. Out of college, yeah. yeah so. um, and there was just a lot of other opportunity to go on yeah. the road with musicians, to do music videos, um, sure. to build my own personal brand, and like you learned a lot. Yeah, I just wanted to like go do something else, and I felt like I learned as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. So it was just time to move on to the next thing. What was it like working in a corporate environment with also art tied into it? Did they do a good job of, of fostering creativity inside of a corporate structure? Yeah, I got like really blessed with an amazing That's team um, and amazing leaders on that team. They're still like really like good friends of mine to this day. Um, cool. So I never felt like stifled That's by good. anything, and like. I worked at a corporate place and I was on a creative team uh, and it just functioned as if we were the same as the business people. Really? And so corporately, like I had to answer to someone who had to answer to someone who had to answer to someone. And as a creative, like we were hired to create stuff. Yeah. But there was a hierarchy of like, unless so-and-so says that's okay, then we can't do it. Well, there definitely was that. I mean, when you're talking a company that's doing, you know, has a billion dollar market cap there is a hierarchy that's how it goes yeah, and there's course. like a vice president of marketing there's directors mm-hmm. so there is that like uh that path you know when you're trying to get things done but um we had a girl on our team her name's leanne she works for google now who like i always felt like really had our backs a lot and uh i think that's probably why like no that's one good. on our team ever really felt that yeah that's why like i feel like in a lot of ways corporate companies function better when they just outsource the creative mm-hmm. work and you can just have a production house do who it. inside their own company is functioning as a creative uh company yeah i think from a business perspective i think it de- it just depends on what your yeah, goals sure. are but it's that route is sometimes actually actually not sometimes all the time a lot more expensive mm-hmm. and it's hard for an external company to really understand the ethos of sure. the company that makes sense in, also, my, in my opinion, I lived in Nashville and you lived in Silicon Valley. So like, it's a different world out there. Too, oh yeah. It's I'm a different sure. beast for sure. All right. So moving on, um, your brand. Yeah. Definitely. As Matt Como, uh-huh. you, you left GoPro and just started going at it. Tell me about the process, what your goals were and kind of like where you are now. Um, I think first and foremost, it was just, there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's a ton. Um, yeah. And tell me about it, man. I think like the first thing was just like wanting to like get a grip on a lot of different things. And, um, I guess, you know, leaving GoPro, like just gave me the opportunity to like work on my own time and create my own schedule. Um, so sorry, what what was the original? It was just kind of like the process of leaving and like your goals as a creative and building your brand. Like what were you, what were your first things that you did as soon as you left? Uh, first thing I did first project uh was a chain smoker music video that was nice. probably the first thing we did uh this uh music video for the song called everybody hates me and were you directing or shooting uh or dp 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 on that nice. and then uh long time like good buddy and friend rory uh directed that super talented guy that's awesome so you hit the ground running just straight out of the gate that was i think that was maybe seven days after it's amazing like yeah <laughs> it literally was like yeah wow. we're already going um were you, did you want to be a cinematographer or a director? I, no, I don't want to be a cinematographer. Yeah. <laughs> not, not at all. I just like, I don't know. I guess I'm good at it. So I just yeah. do do it quite a bit. And that if there's an opportunity where they need that, I'll do it. Do you want to be a director? Director, yeah. yeah. Um, Writer, director. Yeah, a little bit of both. I, I really don't see myself as 
just being a filmmaker yeah as weird as that might may sound i kind of like just want to be a creative you're an artist person yeah we've interviewed people on this podcast who have that same trait where it's like i like photo i like video i like music like i feel like people are just designed sometimes to just be artistic yeah and just make things you're an artist Mm -hmm. you're not anything that's in a box like you just make art right so it can be paint it can be photo it can be video it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. so i can relate to that sweet yeah Yeah, so that's uh do you do music too a little bit yeah um starting out a little bit this year we did a project for google um that had like an original track in it um went up on proximity's youtube channel uh spotify like a couple hundred thousand on each platform so it's a song that you made uh yeah 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 Um, so that like whole process kind of started like a year ago around today where I did a piece for my mom and dad that had an original record with mm-hmm. it. And, uh, a good buddy of mine, Kyle from gray, if you know who they are, they're musicians, mm-hmm. they made, uh, the middle with Zed. Yeah. Uh, he like pretty much took the, took the reins on that and helped out a ton with that wow. one. Um, but that was kind of the first, I think, uh, piece that kind of like s- s- spawned the idea of like, it'd be cool to make the music that's in the videos. So, yeah. That's that, brilliant. And then you don't have to pay copyright. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you own it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Google one dropped. We got another project uh, that's actually already done for uh, Michael Kors coming out in September. Wow. Um, that has an original record at the end, directed it, yada, yada, yada. So I'm just getting the, like we just said, like I'm just getting the idea that you just kind of put your hands on everything. You just love creating stuff. Yeah, definitely. How do you stay focused? Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's a, I guess that's a good question. I like, mean, I can relate to that. Like, I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing YouTube videos on one channel. I have another channel, and then I'm doing freelance stuff. So it's like, right? It's hard to balance so many different things. Yeah, things, yeah. And then stay on top of it creatively as well. Uh huh. Because you don't want to drop the ball on a certain thing because you have another thing in the back of your mind. Right. Um. I mean, it's tough. I think your uh, priorities are always shifting. Yeah. And you just try and balance what's most important at any mm-hmm. given time. So mm-hmm. today it might be something different than tomorrow. Um, and then like, that's kind of just like the micro like things that you're doing. Then you just gotta look at the macro, like what's your actual goal and is what yeah. you're doing actually driving towards that. So what is your actual goal? Um, right now, <laughs> right now, uh, Cause it does change. Mine's of mine's changed so many times. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think at the, at the most like uh, macro level, it's just to be widely considered as like a world co- world class creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you ask yourself, okay, then how do you do that on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? And it always comes back to creating the best product that you yeah. can possible. And I don't necessarily mean product by like a physical good, but like the best film, the best song. Sure. Um, and eventually over time you start stacking those wins and then, you know, you come onto a podcast like this and you're talking about GoPro and then you're talking about the music videos and you're uh-huh. talking about music and it's just kind of all, mm-hmm. kind of all adds up. I feel like we've had a, a guest that had that exact same path on this mm. podcast. Oh, who oh wait, it? it's you. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, sorry. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky though. I know what you mean. Like there's it's a dad joke. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's hard to balance it. And I think there's a lot of people who are listening to this who can relate. It's like, oftentimes the thing that you're most passionate about isn't the thing that's putting uh food on the table right because you 
in my case, I would do a music video. I would direct and shoot a music video for free for right. a friend in Nashville who, you know, is an up and coming yeah, pop yeah. singer or whatever, because Nashville's full of these incredible artists. And then I would spend months on the VFX of it or whatever. But at the same time, I had to like shoot a wedding just to pay the bills. Just to pay for you it. Know? Yeah. But then that slows down the creative process. So, but then for me personally, I eventually had to start saying no to stuff. And mm-hmm. my wife and I just made a decision to just trust the process and like get on a budget. Mm-hmm. And there was like six, seven months where we were super broke mm-hmm. and I was only doing YouTube. But then it kind of snowballed and turned into what like it, enough yeah. to survive off of. So, in a way, if you push through and have the guts to like live off of nothing and just do the thing that you want to do you are seen as that guy or girl and then you can get hired to do that thing that you made yourself become exactly but yeah. then you obviously have to like pay your bills yeah i mean it's it's tricky and um you know i uh, people are in so like such different circumstances right yeah. like you had a wife and you have a kid so like yeah. you have a completely set of response like different set of responsibilities that makes it infinitely much more difficult than mm-hmm. even someone like myself i'm you know i don't have a wife kids mortgage none mm-hmm. of that so i'm it's much more adaptable yeah um so, but i you know i empathize with you and it is very difficult so then i just think you ask yourself is it like is it worth it you know and yeah. like if it's if it's really worth it to you deep down then you just try and find a way man <laughs> well yeah well i'm i mean for me i'm super blessed my wife is very supportive and uh she learned pretty early on that she can't really like she knows that that this is what i love and mm-hmm. she's real supportive and um, it's been working out well so yeah far. it's been working really well and super blessed um and in a way i think having those restrictions if you want to call it that of like having to provide for a family it makes me work harder yeah definitely. because i literally have from this time of the day and this time of the day to get my work done mm-hmm. so that i can be home and like be a present well, dad. you have responsibility yeah and that's like that's super important <laughs> yeah. it probably gives you purpose you probably it, wake yeah, up and oh, you're yeah. like i literally need to get this done today oh, of like yeah that's good although i still procrastinate like yeah crazy. <laughs> as everyone knows <laughs> um so let's get into some like technical stuff yeah um sweet how do you how did you establish your like your editing style your unique mm-hmm. editing style uh, that's kind of a vague question but uh um, well let me switch this back on to you how would you how would you define it and then i'll i can like talk about i guess how i refined it well you're just really creative um a lot of music mm-hmm. um and i don't know like it's almost like docu style with filmmaking and mm-hmm. uh the edits are great the so, yeah. <laughs> transitions um i don't know like is it just through trial and error and just lots of um experimentation I, yeah i think there's definitely like experimentation involved um i definitely like to tell things like what's your favorite piece right now on your youtube channel that i've made mm-hmm. um i really like uh like the mom and dad piece i did yep. that one like really like hits home for me um i just watched that before you came up here oh nice yeah um the one i just did for dji i was pretty hyped on i thought that turned out good yeah i did a review on that too it's a great little gimbal yeah it's nice it's good uh, um, if, you're, if you're not familiar uh matt and i reviewed the uh the sc the yep. ronin sc it's kind of the perfect size yeah it's great it's yeah. great especially for like a small mirrorless setup yeah. um but i guess uh i don't know i like to keep like the like of the, the pace VHS moving. stuff and the mom and dad one. yeah the old school stuff did you use the red giant universe plugin uh for 
the Alexa footage that I wanted to make look vintage. <laughs> yes, but that's actually like real. old like VHS footage. Yeah, it's the real deal, guys. <laughs> the, uh, but like the hyperlapse that you do is just super epic. I love the drone stuff uh, with the hyperlapse, and uh, you know, you're just mixing media. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always want like the films to kind of feel uh, like a, an emotional roller coaster ride. Yeah, and like really kind of bridge the gap between is it a vlog, but is it like a, this mm. ultra cinematic thing? Yeah. But then there's voiceover, I love that. and then there's like wait, then there's footage from like 1996 for some reason. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Where it's like this just like weird like conglomerate of like all these things, and it just ends up working at the end did you end up capturing like just a ton of vhs stuff and you have it like in a database or something or do you for just... like that old footage yeah. my parents they just had it yeah they had a bunch of uh my mom went to like costco and got like the old tapes on yeah. dvd and yeah what's your process do you script it do you write it before you um make it? there's a decent amount of pre-production i wouldn't say everything is completely scripted because the vlog stuff is a little more improvised or yeah definitely i know what i need to talk about and then i can yeah. just like get on kind of like this and just start talking yeah um but i definitely need the idea like down like pretty solid and yeah. then just go out and then do it but i w won't necessarily be like we need to get like this shot this shot this shot this shot and like the whole thing structured i'll be like okay if there's 50 shots in this video i know what 10 of them like there has to be this shot like these anchor points need to exist in the like, yeah. in the piece and then the rest kind of like fills it in when mm -hmm. you're there do you call yourself a youtuber no yeah. definitely not <laughs> definitely not and it's like always interesting when you're like yeah, you're a youtuber i'm like I, if, am i though yeah i don't think i so. don't i put my content on youtube because the attention's on youtube yeah it's <laughs> it's a platform for you to post videos yeah uh, it's like if vimeo was what it was you'd be putting them on vimeo yeah exactly it's not um, anymore, unfortunately that's staff pick you know what it's interesting it's like would you consider uh like top 10 musician a youtuber because their music video is oh yeah their, their no. it's the same thing you no. know what i mean it's mm -hmm. like they put it there because that's where the eyes are yeah but i post every friday and i have thumbnails that look like i'm <laughs> yeah. super happy so i'm a youtuber right I guess. I, I guess. Know. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, who is a YouTuber? Like, Logan Paul's a YouTuber? Um, I mean, I would say so. I, I guess, like, the word YouTuber is, like, getting a little bit more, like, blurred. Yeah. But I think if you're, like, documenting your daily life um, and... Responding to comments in the video. I guess so, yeah. Or, like, you know, making, like... Playing the algorithm game, all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's just, like, the type of content that you're doing. Like, if it's more, like, you know, uh, I'm reacting to this, or mm. it's, like, you know, day in the life this, like, yeah. type of thing, I think it, like, would be a little bit more... Yeah, because it's in the genre of YouTube. But then your stuff could live on television, it could live on Vimeo, it could live on Netflix. Well, I think that, yeah, the main difference is I'm doing, like... I'm doing commercial work for yeah. big companies and I'm doing music videos for big mm -hmm. artists. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's very, yeah. it's different, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about that music okay. videos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You seem to be very passionate about music videos. Do you love it? I just, they're just fun to do. Yeah. Um, and you get, if you get, you get a good artist, anything? do you get paid anything? Yeah. It just depends on yeah. the artist. Oh yeah, of course. In Nashville, the budgets have just, I have a lot of friends in the music video industry. Yeah. Um, and I was working with some producers out there and uh, I did a handful of stuff myself and the budgets just have been getting cut and cut and cut and cut and cut. And one of my friends, he said that like literally he was 
like last year he did a Keith Urban video for 200,000 mm-hmm. and then this year he did another Keith Urban video for 20,000 like so he said it's like polar opposite and yeah. he's he had to get out of the production company like space be- and now he's just a freelance AD because like he's making more money just doing that freelance doing that, yeah. rather than taking a percentage as a production company cuz the budgets have been cut like crazy yeah it is uh I don't really know how to like speak on this too properly because like you said, like the polarity of like the budgets and yeah, between like different artists is so different that it's like really hard to like get a grasp mm. on it. Sure. Um, just gotta get more creative, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it goes back to like what your motive is. If the motive is to, to make money, then maybe the music video space isn't for you. Actually, it's probably not for you. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, if there's an artist that you really love, like you'd probably do it for, yeah, of course, you know, for a, a cheaper rate or whatever that is. But, um, I don't know. They're just fun. I definitely don't see myself like doing them forever, you know? Yeah. But you know, I'll bang out a couple What's, more. Uh, tell me some of your favorites that you've done. Uh, definitely like the chain smoker stuff has been really cool. Um, and that, you know, I always think about like not just music videos, but just things I've done where I've felt like the happiest mm-hmm. and it's always with my friends. Yeah. So anything I'm doing with like a friend and like, we're actually like doing something that reaches a wide, mm-hmm. um, amount of people is always the best. Have you worked with the guys a lot that have done those videos? Like, have you been working with them for a couple yeah, years Yeah, for now? like probably three years. Um, like I mentioned earlier, longtime collaborator and friend Rory. Uh-huh. Uh, we've done a lot together. We did a couple of those. We did, I shot his MTV show, a couple mm-hmm. episodes on that. And uh, it's just fun, man. Because like... You speak the same language when you get to know somebody on that level. Uh, was Is he a director? Uh, yeah. And you're yeah, the yeah. DP? Kind of, yeah. We kind of... Kind of, sort of. I mean, yeah. I guess, yeah, on... If yeah. you're looking at the credits, yeah, but it's more so <laughs> it's collaborative. I, well, we just view it more so as like it's like a friendship, you know, and yeah. like he needs help with something, I, I'll help him out, and like, yeah, okay, slot me into this role. Let's yeah. let's do it. That's awesome. Um, I've worked with a couple of directors as well, and like when you get to know them, you can almost body language wise like understand what they want, mm-hmm. and like it just flows so much better on mm-hmm. set. When you look at a lot of filmmakers like Spielberg and Scorsese and anybody, like they tend to work with the same same people, kind of guys and girls all the time because they get to know each other. Yeah, it makes the process so much better. Yeah, it's like one cohesive mind mm-hmm. working on the project. Exactly. Um, <laughs> what do you think of this? Is totally off topic. What do you think of the Lion King movie? Have you seen? I it? I haven't seen the new one. No. So is I just. It good? I don't know. I haven't seen it, okay. but I've heard that it's literally just like word for word, like the same as the actual animation, like the old nineties mm-hmm. film. But I listened to an interview today. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because it's like top of mind. John Favreau directed it. And, um, he said that they basically did everything as if it were like a Pixar animated film, as far as storyboards and like the animatics and the animation right. and all that. But then when it came to the shoot, uh, and like the setup of the camera angles and stuff, instead of having the animators do the camera moves and the lighting, he hired like a full crew and everything. And they literally had all the animation done. So they created VR space inside of a studio Interesting. and they used real dollies. They used actual jibs. They even for the opening shot on pride rock, like of holding this, the, you know, baby Simba and circle of life right. moment. They literally used a drone to film that Interesting. in a virtual space. Huh. The drone was scaled as if it were a helicopter 
to whatever size the lions were. And so there's like little imperfections in the camera movement that just feel more natural. There was like actual shoulder cam stuff being done. That's and sweet. The cinematographer and everybody wore VR goggles and they could literally see the lions acting out their roles. That's insane. What do you think of the future when you hear stuff like that? Like, isn't that crazy? Hey, it's cool. He also said like the cinematographer was working with like normally it's almost like video game stuff with lighting uh-huh. where they just blast light in certain areas and there's no standard. It's just kind of like, all right, turn that up to 10% or 30% or right, whatever. Right. But they co- completely recoded everything so that the DP could speak in his language and was like, I need a 10K here with a bounce over here. And like, he was literally saying, I need a 10K. And they would put a 10K virtually in the set. Interesting. Isn't that that's crazy? Cool. I think it's cool. I think it's sweet. <laughs> um, that is that getting good reviews? Last I heard, I, don't I think so. Read like one article that said, like kind of bashed it, but I think technologically, obviously, this is very amazing uh-huh. technology, um, and I kind of want to see it as a nerd mm-hmm. to like see the the way they pulled it off. But uh, because it's literally almost like line for line the exact same as the '90s film, I haven't seen it, so I you know don't take what I say as a grain of salt, but like. Uh, apparently it's kind of like why why did you make this like mm-hmm. you can just go watch it's like a remastered the original version, I guess yeah it's yeah, like yeah. look they have turned into real life characters yeah now. yeah um, so yeah but like does that kind of stuff excite you do you get involved in like visual effects at all do you enjoy? I mean a little bit not at that scale obviously I mean that's yeah, like, uh, it's very that's, expensive <laughs> yeah that's it's crazy but um I think it's cool uh I mean everything got has got to move and evolve and yeah if that's the way things are going that's the way they're going do you play around in After Effects or anything oh like yeah that? of course video co-pilot of are course you? oh my god yeah Andrew Kramer he's yes. the goat <laughs> Andrew Kramer here yeah uh-huh. uh Definitely. Every project I do has a ton of After Effects work involved. Yeah. So I'm in, in that program as much as I am Premiere. Mm-hmm. So you're Adobe guy? Mm-hmm. I'm a Final Cut X guy, but I still love After Effects. Is it good? Do you like it? I love it. I've been on it since the beginning. Interesting. I'm one of the guys that moved from Final Cut 7 to X and just dealt with it. <laughs> well, fair enough. The f- I think they do a lot of things right. The first sure. couple of years with Final Cut 10 were terrible. Like mm-hmm. Everybody hated it. I was fortunate enough to just be a solo editor. So like it didn't really bother me, the collaboration stuff and um, it was fast. So that's why I liked it. Mm -hmm. And now it's completely like they've got all the pro features in there. Uh, It's actually an open standard. So anybody can develop plugins and effects for it. Um, So I feel like the plugin ecosystem is much better than Mm -hmm. Adobe's. And the amazing thing is they optimize for the computers because mm-hmm. it's yep. the same company that makes both. So like you hit an export in Premiere, it'll take literally three times as long. Classic. As Love it. <laughs> so, um, Lovely. you know, you, you have to spend more money on your machine if you're an Adobe mm. editor. Um, but if, you know, if that's not a problem, then so be it. But I have a, this is my $1,200 13 inch base model MacBook pro. I've mm. been using this for two years now. I shoot and edit everything in 4k. I don't even, it's slowed for exports, but as far as editing, like it's fine. Nice. Damn. Well, you, that's a good sell. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're getting a commission right now. I know, right? And I paid $300 for it six years ago. So nice. That was that's the other thing. So there's no monthly fee. Mm-hmm. So recently, you collaborated on a music video out of sight with Emily Zek. Yes. Tell me about that project. How'd you get involved? Um, that was with Google. 
Um, that was like the Google project. Uh, we had a song. She hopped on it and sang. Yeah. Uh, she's super nice, really talented girl. Um, did you work as a producer on the music? Uh, yeah, with a couple other people. Definitely had had some help with that. Um, but uh, yeah, we like sat down, had a couple writing sessions, uh, produced it out, and then uh, made the video and pushed it as hard as we could. It's amazing. Yeah. What's it like? getting involved in music now that you're kind of dabbling um, in that i think it's just it's fun it's like a good creative outlet i mean you can yeah. probably empathize with like you know you do video after video after video <laughs> yeah. and you do that for i mean if, if you consider it from the first time i picked up a camera around 13 or 14 to being 25 it's like 10 years of yeah like this is all really done yeah. is video stuff so it's just like a nice like change of pace for a little bit you know access a different part of your creativity are you learning like logic or pro tools and stuff like that? yeah ableton um okay slowly but surely there's like a lot uh in the pipeline video wise coming up that like there's only so much time in the day to do so many different things um but you know i just think it's fun to do so what's your what's your daily uh schedule look like listen no there is no daily schedule that's the yes another one like me there's no uh (laughs) i guess if you could say that there's any like constant throughout everything it's uh would be like working out and uh is that a morning thing or a night thing it's always morning always morning first thing in the morning um generally yeah not like too early do you eat a snack or a protein shake before no no just go right just go straight in do you brush your teeth at least yeah at least do that i at least put on some clothes too so uh (laughs) don't you worry about that um normally it's like 7 7 30 in the morning um do that like three four days a week but you're super hungry after your workout right not really, no. I can kind of like sustain it to like. <laughs> no way. Like, you don't eat breakfast? No, I haven't since like college. Yeah. It's so funny to me how like growing up, you hear breakfast is the most important. No, I don't eat breakfast. And <laughs> like now, I don't even think, I don't think that's true at all. It was like, no. It was completely a lie from like the cereal companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for you to eat sugar and. <laughs> yeah, buy some uh, Lucky Charms. Yeah. I do uh, love Lucky Charms, though, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> what kind of cereals did you eat growing up? uh lucky charm <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch peanut butter puff really they let you eat all that oh yeah it's part of your part of your what was it called part of your everyday breakfast or what was it so or, was, remember they they used to say that i used to have those do you remember when they have like the to-go cereals oh yeah they were in like the little like containers part of your complete breakfast that was it is that what it they that would always it? say that in the commercials so you'd bring that to school oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah with some milk in it uh oh, it's great that's terrible for you but it's so good yeah not anymore not anymore yeah even the good cereal like cheerios like you'd be better off just not eating just not eating yeah Yeah. just have like an apple or something exactly (laughs) but uh we teach kids to eat cereal for some reason um okay so as you can see we took a turn as you can see (laughs) i like to just bounce around it's all good uh, your youtube video for a movement called what if you only had it one day received 130,000 views on youtube and it's really uh you know, really sick video. So tell me about that working with movement. Um, I've been a friend of the brand for so long, like three, four years. Um, I've been friends with, uh, like Blake and, uh, Jake is our CEO for a while now. And, uh, that video, they were just like, what is like one day that would be like the craziest day that you could imagine. Yeah. So I just thought of like my favorite adventurous things to do. And we did it in one day. So we woke up in Tahoe, did like a run by the lake, snowboarded and then flew back to OC cliff jumped in, uh, um, Corona del Mar. I was thinking uh-huh. Costa Mesa, no Corona del Mar. And then we got picked up in a helicopter in CDM and then did a sunset ride over LA. Yeah. 
in one day. Like it was crazy. It's amazing. And what's even crazier about that day, like if that wasn't enough, uh-huh. I was also in the final stages of post-production on a uh, Tiesto video. Uh-huh. And we were like going back and forth with the label that day. And like in order for it to be pushed onto Spotify that next following day, uh-huh. like the video had to be done by like 1 a.m. or something. <laughs> so like I kid you not, I am like cliff jumping, literally backflipping <laughs> off this thing. My team's like getting everything together. And then I'm like in the car as we're like going to get on this helicopter, like piecing Editing. together the final pieces of this Tiesto thing. It's like, it was insane. Just weird timing. <laughs> do you not um, have like editors and stuff or? Uh, we do, but like this was like, we're on the last like Super stages last of something. And it was like something that I just, it would have taken more time to delegate and like get on a phone and be like, no, nah, this isn't right. And then just like, give, yeah. give me the laptop. Like <laughs> I'll just get this thing done real quick. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, Wow. Was that like kind of a dream come true to do all those things? It's definitely unique. A lot of people don't realize, but like, at least for me, every time I've traveled and done a shoot like in a tropical location or like done something really cool, people usually say, oh man, looks like so much fun, like great vacation, so much fun. It's like, when I was in a helicopter filming stuff in Maui, like I was not in a helicopter enjoying the views of Maui. I was concerned about the shot. Like, oh man, the whole helicopter is vibrating, so all my shots are totally ruined. I gotta turn the IBIS off on the camera because it looks weird, but then it's not stabilized, so I gotta stabilize it in post. You know, like, yeah, I'm literally so thinking. So, when you're doing all these things, your mind is so focused on the job that do you find you don't actually enjoy stuff, or are you able to stop and kind of enjoy it? Uh, for that particular job specifically, if that's the example in use case, uh, <laughs> that it was, was just, just like, yo, let's turn and burn. Like we got to get this done, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's not always the case. That's just that particular example. Um, yeah, there's like, I mean, if you're, um, you know, on a set, there's definitely like a, like a, a much more proper set. There's definitely like, you know, downtime to like really take it all in and be yeah. like, damn, there's literally 15 people here like working to like make this vision come true and like there's those in those moments i'm kind of like this is pretty cool yeah um but not when i'm cliff jumping off (laughs) something (laughs) like i mean and you and you also know when i land i have to finish this edit (laughs) yeah 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 exactly it's all it makes for a good story so um so you hold different contests on your social channels called the matt como challenge yeah what does this contest uh exactly like entail what is what is it um it's just a way for um i guess my audience to try new editing techniques uh-huh. try new things um and just a way to like kind of get the community together so like the first one uh that i did um you know i just wanted people to like start creating things so i thought about okay what is like the biggest uh not drawback what am i trying to say like the biggest like roadblock for somebody to like create something and that's just having footage. So I was like, here's footage. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it like, it was a variety of clips. So like, here's some like really good drone clips. Here's like some close ups. Here's, you know, this whole thing. I'm like, just mm-hmm. go make something. You didn't have to use the clips. It was just like, here's this. And yeah. like, you can supplement, do whatever. It just has to be in a certain time frame. Uh-huh. Use whatever song. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. It ended up, uh, I think like 2000 kids did it, which is like, kind of crazy to think because you really offended that 45 year old that did it but did i uh, who, called him a kid uh yeah some older <laughs> guy sorry man some random 45 sorry, year old man. no but i after that like i was kind of taken back a little bit because that's cool i think for 
to have a call to action for somebody to take the time, like, you know what it's like to edit a video, take the time to go to a link, to download it, to mm -hmm. put effort into it, to come up with music, yeah. to actually edit the thing, repost it, like, and do that and have like 2000 people do that is like, that's amazing. It's crazy. And it's like I, my audience, I'm not in the millions by any means. You know what I mean? Like I've yeah. just under 200 on the platforms. They're really engaged and they, they love your stuff. It shows that they care. Which they is also like, care about being artists too. Which yeah, is cool. which is cool. I like it. <laughs> How'd you come up with it? Mm. I don't remember. Just a wacky idea on yeah. Wednesday night or yeah. something. What was the prize? Was there like a winner? Uh, yeah. So it was like being shouted out on my story. I did like nice. three and then... Uh, the guy who like won, like, I think I like pretty much blew him up for like four or five stories. And he was in like my little highlighted like thing with his handle for like, oh, a, lot, for, like a month or two. It's awesome. It's like, I mean, not to like be like, <laughs> no weird, money or not anything. to be like weird about it, but it's like, it literally, if a brand was like, <laughs> we want you to do this, this, this on the story. And like, you're on like the highlighted, like little bit, like there'd be a there'd be a big chunk of change involved with that. So like, yeah. I'm like, okay, you guys like, it's a good deal in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, it seems like you're always traveling or producing some sort of co big collaboration. How do you feel about just constantly being on the go? Do you, is that what you love or do you kind of wish that you're home more? Uh, I took a break this year for sure. Um, yeah. I pretty much traveled really consistently from like 22 to, uh, the start of this year. Uh, to the point where it was like, like people like, like say, Oh, I travel a lot. Like, no, no, no. This was like 200 plus days a year. Yeah. I'm in sometimes on tour, like three different cities in one day type of traveling, like yeah. crazy stuff. Um, and I think at the start of this year, I was like, I want to just chill for a bit and that's what I've done. Uh, so I'm ready to get back. That's good, man. Yeah. Get back at it though a little bit. Man, I can relate again. It's just like when you're working nonstop, it's just, it's hard on your body. It's hard on your mind. Yeah. It's yeah. hard on your creativity too. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, you just, it's a muscle and it needs to rest. Just mm -hmm. like when you're working out, you, it's important to rest. That's when your muscles build more strength. Right. Right. So like in the same way, when you have some time to be in nature, to be home, to just chill, like your mind can kind of reset and you're also inspired by, seeing the real world mm -hmm. like in a non-work environment and like oh that gives me an idea or that gives me an idea yeah. yeah i think a lot of growth comes from rest and uh you know kind of taking a step back and assessing like everything you've done like yeah. i've done a lot in the last like early part of my 20s you know and it's almost to the effect that like it's kind of just like a whirlwind yeah it's like crazy how yeah much has we're happened. so lucky to be born in this time mm -hmm. where like it's just such a different world i feel like still companies don't understand it a lot of uh people are coming aware of it but still you're talking about like just the digital space just the digital space and being able to create and make a living mm -hmm. off of the internet it's amazing mm -hmm. you can live anywhere and make a living yeah it's it's really really cool yeah i i feel like i don't understand the full breadth of what you do because you mentioned tour i didn't even i don't have it in my notes yeah i didn't know that so you go on tour with bands too yeah i've done definitely my fair share of that a lot um, yeah it's like being a pirate on the on a on a i i've done a few tour like documentary stuff yeah yeah and like it's literally like you're on a boat with a bunch of pirates yeah, it's going crazy around. it's kind of fun um yeah i guess it kind of like that goes back to our conversation maybe like 20 minutes ago about like not being put in a box it's like mm -hmm. there's 
just done a lot of different things, had my hands on a lot of different things. It's um, important to do that at a younger age. Too. Yeah, just like experiencing things, you know, um, and it gives you perspective. Who are some artists that you went on tour with? You know, I've done stuff with, uh, you know, Chainsmokers, Justin Caruso, uh, Tiesto. We did a New Year's run with Tiesto. That was like, yeah. That was so fun. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> such a good time. I literally, this year, started this year, uh, it's like three, two, one, happy new year. It's the only two people on stage. It's me and Tiesto. I'm That's like amazing. shooting him and like, yeah, he, you know, he like the balloon, like not the balloons. What am I trying to say? Like the confetti and all the stuff's going off and like, you know, he wants to celebrate. So he like, he's like looking around, like who's around him. And it's literally just like me <laughs> and him and like, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's great. It was, it was a cool moment for sure. What do you shoot on, uh, when you're doing stuff like that, uh, that mirrorless was, or bigger stuff. No, that's all mirrorless. That's all just run and gun. Like yeah. it's like Sony's or yeah, A7R3 is kind of like my go-to right now. Um, we'll see if Canon. I think they're gonna do like the EOS R, like Pro or something, maybe. Yeah, 2020 though. Mm-hmm, so. Before the Olympics, so I mean, I can wait out for like another year or mm-hmm. nine months, whatever it is. But probably would jump to that. Yeah. Um, the black magic seems kind of cool. If like you were talking run and gun, but I don't know. I so don't like know. right now your go-to is the a seven R three. Yeah. For the most part, do or, you shoot in the crop 4k mode or full frame? Uh, the, I like the cropped 4k. It's yeah, actually, it's, it's sharper. Pretty, it's nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also like the one DX quite a bit. Yeah. The autofocus, the dual pixel autofocus is really nice. Yeah, of course. Um, both of those cameras are great. Do, do you shoot 1080 on the one DX or 4k? uh 4k mostly and then do you obviously convert it to prores or something uh i do yeah because yeah. that uh it's was it mpeg for yeah motion jpeg that format is god awful it's, it's so terrible yes. no matter like even i've actually so i have a 1dc and i okay I, that's like the old like cinema camera i don't know if you remember that uh it's a, it's a 1dx but it's the cinema version interesting and does that have like c-log or something on it yeah it has c-log continuous recording it has a super 35 mode which is really nice mm-hmm. but it's 1080 but it's got the same 4K 1.3x crop with the motion JPEG, but it's Canalog, which is great. The 1DX2 doesn't have that. I don't get Canon's deal. I, I know. They, <laughs> every single time they come out with a product, it's like the one feature that everybody wanted uh-huh. is absent on that product. So the USR, there's no, there's a heavy crop on the 4K. It's almost like... And the rolling shutter is terrible. They had like all the features and they put it on a whiteboard. <laughs> and they're like, okay, then they circled. Like this product's going to have this, but if this product has this, nah, you're not getting that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's literally what it feels like. Yeah. It kills me. Well, um, there was an article that was going around this last week about Canon releasing their financial reports and they've continued to like lose a ton of market share and the camera division is slowly declining and so they make these general statements like yeah the camera market is just going to crap because Mm -hmm. of mobile phones and so we're going to focus more on medical devices because they do like x-ray stuff and all sorts of yeah so the c on a ceo level like they're not very interested in the imaging as much interesting uh, like the digital camera space but the truth is is sony is eating their lunch and Mm -hmm. like because they not only make their own cameras but they make the sensors Sensors, for everybody else whereas i'm pretty sure gopro had a sony sensor for a while yeah so that's why um yeah the sony action cameras have like the same sensor in it as the gopro it's just Mm -hmm. a different body or whatever but anyways it's kind of depressing because at the end of the day, Canon's like 
design is great. I think like the One DX two, for example, the way that the buttons are laid out, the way the menu structure is, is so intuitive. And mm-hmm. like I with my One DC, like I can just with my eyes shut, like change the exposure and change the white balance without even thinking about it. And I also think the colors are always just on point and they're perfect. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, but they're they're pretty close to it. Um, whereas Sony still like even though they've done a lot with their color like it still is never it's a much there. more like a broadcast digital mm-hmm. type of it's it's hard like unless you're in the film like you probably wouldn't really know the difference but yeah. i know exactly what you mean yeah. it's like a, an alexa versus red like red is a much more digital kind of like this hyper uh like sharp type look yeah it's got some like weird like coloring in the highlights in my opinion um yeah whereas alexa you have like the like creamy skin tones Mm -hmm. and it just feels much more like filmic but it's like it's such like an intangible thing to like describe to somebody who doesn't do Mm -hmm. film you know yeah but when you see it you know it yeah for sure yeah yeah definitely that's why i think reds are great for sci-fis for um horror films Mm -hmm. And then Alexa is great for cinematics and romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if only they had the frame rates with the resolution. Yeah. If only. You can never get everything. No, why not? <laughs> Literally, why not? What's going on? <laughs> um, so you did an AMA on your Twitter. Um, and I don't know if you did one on Instagram as well. No, I didn't. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so I, I actually pulled up your Twitter post. You said, hey, I'm on the Polar Pro podcast tomorrow. Ask me a question and we'll try to answer them. Yeah. So I'm just going to go through and ask you some questions that pull up Sweet. on here. Um, you actually responded to this one. Uh, Lynn's Quest asked, what do you think of the Sony a7R 4 Is the increase of megapixel, 42 megapixels versus 61, really a game changer for photography or is it more a marketing gimmick? Yeah. And you actually responded to him on Twitter. Um I'll let you respond now. Yeah, it's a audio. marketing gimmick. It's so pointless. Isn't nobody asked for it? Nobody 60 wanted megapixels. And uh, the and only people that use that are people who are shooting like medium format in a portraiture setting, or maybe like. Stuff and like correct that, me but. if I'm wrong. If there's more, I mean, it's a full frame sensor. Yeah. So if there's more pixel density within the sensor, then that means that there's less sensitivity on the sensor for mm-hmm. light. So You're that correct. means that your low light performance is going mm-hmm. down. So I'm like. I even I think I responded in there. I'm like, if you're shooting stuff that's maybe on Times Square, like billboards consistently, I'm like, maybe. But even then, I'm like, <laughs> you still don't need. Yeah, it, most you know? most billboards and most uh, bus wraps are shot on much lower megapixels. Yeah, no, it's not. You don't need that. But um, for you, like when you take photos with your A7R3, do you like the fact that you got all that megapixel to crop and? Post I actually and stuff? hate taking photos on my A7R3. So I think you, it's terrible. Do you shoot in a smaller? Uh, compression to not deal with the massive files uh no i just will shoot max but i honestly uh most uh if a7 three is perfect to me it's 24 megapixels plenty yeah that's all you need um i actually might just pick up just for the sake of it just a 5d4 just for photos Mm because i just think it's way better of a camera yeah and it's the same thing where it's like it's just like the color science and just the way things come out or just just look better just get, get the usr because you'll actually use that for video. You think so? Yeah, I have. Well, I had one. I sold it. But um, you're not <laughs> for them in the best case, right? Now. <laughs> well, I I, uh, I have a one DC. I've got an Olympus. I've got a GH4. I've got a, a Nikon. Like I have too many cameras, so that's why I sold it. Nice. <laughs> but I'll probably rebuy it to be honest. But the flip screen is amazing, and it's you nice. will use it 
I promise. Like for you do like all the time on your videos, like these random like selfie shots where you talk. Yeah, occasionally. I have a little RX one hundred that I use. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, did you see the new RX one hundred with the mic jack? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what were you doing before that? Recording separate and then syncing it? No, I just use nothing. I just oh, well. hold it out there and then EQ uh, the crap EQ out of it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It works most of the time, not all the time, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, there's no mic input. It's like weird. But the what I like about the Mark V of the RX is that it the aperture goes down to one eight, whereas yeah, the six and then now seven is two eight. That's stupid. I don't know why they put a zoom on it too. That's like you could be shooting <laughs> giraffes in Africa or something. Two hundred mega, or like, two hundred millimeters. Yeah. Sometimes I think a lot of these branches don't listen to their consumer base <laughs> and like what they actually need. Except Fuji, they've been crushing it. You think so? <laughs> yeah, uh, they got ten bit four K sixty on the t- XT three, and the camera costs fourteen hundred dollars. They just don't have the brand. That's the problem. Yeah, and the flip screen. Nobody puts a flip screen on it except Canon and Panasonic. It's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about the S1H from Panasonic? No, I haven't. So they released it at Cinegear. It'll do 4K at 120 frames per second, and I think it'll do 6K up to 30 frames per second internally, 10-bit, uh, and it's got a flip screen on it. What's the like full form frame. factor of it's it? Full frame. It's the same, like roughly same size as their new full frame line, the S1, just kind of like a, it's a mirrorless camera. Interesting. But it's got a vent and a fan built into it, so that's how they're able to do all the crazy... Uh, frame huh, rates. That's interesting. I'll have to so look that up. That'll be cool. And then obviously we have not seen the A7S3, which everybody in the world is just waiting on. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll all be dead and it'll come out. All right. So Billy Quash Films asks if you could only edit for the rest of your life or shoot for the rest of your I'll life. I'll stop you right there. Shoot. Which would you <laughs> <laughs> stop you right there, dude. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Man. What's so great about shooting is it's like a day of work and then you're done. Like yeah, you never yeah. have to go back to it. If you're only a shooter, it's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, something that I like want within the next like two years is uh, definitely to emphasize a lot more, especially through like my platform and audience, just like how, uh, important editing is and how, uh, like just labor intensive it is. I think a lot of people don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, the people that really only can empathize with you are people that do it. Um, cause it's a lot. Oh yeah. It's a lot. It kind of blows my mind too, that like, especially in the YouTuber world, there's a lot of big YouTubers that actually still edit themselves. Mm-hmm. So like David Dobrik, who's got well over 10 million. Yeah. Star. It also too, but like for like David Dobrik and not to knock him at all. Cause he's an abs- absolutely incredible, but yeah. like the, that type of editing is so much more yeah. easier, you know, it's simplistic. It's, um, uh, it's, I would imagine that he's probably going pretty much linearly with what he oh, shoots and then it's just cutting out the bad 100%. stuff. I've actually seen, on Twitter, like a screenshot of his computer and he edits an iMovie, which is awesome. Yeah, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what's like interesting is like even like that last like DJI campaign that I put out. Yeah. Like, honestly speaking, I think dedicated work looking at my screen, it's, it's probably, I would say anywhere between 70 to 100 hours mm-hmm. of work. Wow. To like make something like that. Um, and like, you know, I'm obviously talking about kind of with the idea, however things piece together going into after effects mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's crazy especially yeah. if you want to make something that's like really cool yeah i think again it, it, there's a line of like 
there, there's two options in this like influencer internet world now. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you want to just be an artist, which I totally see you as, where mm-hmm. you're not driven, you do make a living doing this and mm-hmm. you get paid to do it. But I still feel like in our conversation, you do it because you love it. You're an artist. 100%. You're not doing it for the money. 100%. But then there's people who, okay, if I if I review this thing that's brand new and I get it out before anyone else mm-hmm. and I'm just fast and I post on a regular schedule and my thumbnails follow this certain structure and I make it a certain length to make sure that I get all the monetization right. points that I want and like I tell them to do this and I do that and I hashtag it like crazy. Like it becomes, that's a job and that's its own thing. But that's not really art as much, but it can be, I guess. Too. I think that's like the difference between just being... Um, I would I would hate to say just mediocre, but I think that's the difference between just being good at something and then being like yeah. one of the greatest of all time. Sure. You have to love it. You have to put in the time. And uh, I'm always, always, always conscious about you got to put out the best product. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you think about it in like sports terms, like LeBron James, his number one mission outside of the business of LeBron James and everything he's doing, it's to be the best basketball player. And my yeah. mission is always to be, put out the best product, be the best filmmaker. And if like, it takes the time to do it, then you get like, you have to do it. I love it. that. So, and, um, yeah. And I can, so I can totally understand that. And, but there's also plenty of people who don't want to be the best. Mm-hmm. And they understand that they just want to make a living. Yeah. That's fine. That's completely right? fine. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and that's where, I don't know if you ever listened to Gary Vaynerchuk, but mm-hmm. like his whole message is like just create stuff, document, over create, which yeah. I completely kind of disagree with. It's as such an a artist. different formula, yeah. Like I remember seeing an interview with him with Casey Neistat, and he was telling Casey like you need to be putting out more stuff. Like you're on top of it. I'm sure Casey would. Hate and Casey's that. like, no, I just do what I want. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. Care. yeah. I mean, different strokes for different folks, you know. That's right. Um, I think I mean Gar- I've met Gary a handful of times, and we've done some stuff together. But he, uh, yeah, he definitely is. Uh, much more like business minded. You know? Yeah. And I think he just looks at it from a practical perspective versus yeah. like an artistic. Maranzo del Popolo. Sorry if I completely botched that. What was your first camera and how long before you saved up to buy the best camera of all time? Oh my God. Of all time. I saw him. Oh, wait, that's camera. not what he said. The best camera at the time. <laughs> uh, first like real purchase of a camera was a Sony CX 500. Oh, nice. You probably have no, it's Is just that a like camcorder. A, it's like a handy cam. Yeah. yeah. That had a, uh, you know, Sony does like the, uh, I think they call it the S and Q yeah. where it's like the super slow-mo. It could yeah. do that for like five seconds. Oh, that's cool. Which was so sick <laughs> when I was like 14. Yeah. Like, Damn, this is slow. Um, that was 60 probably the, frames. Yeah. Or something <laughs> like that. Um, but it was cool. That was the first one. Um, dude, I still think the, the steady shot in those things rival. Oh yeah. It's like insane. You can run with those and it's like yeah. pretty smooth. It's pretty amazing. Did mm-hmm. you shoot on like glide cams and stuff? Like mm-hmm. Super Train? glide cam, uh, HD 2000 was the first guy. The first yeah. one. I had the HD 4000. Those things were amazing mm-hmm. on a 5d. Like it was perfect. They still, uh, Rory still shoots with that. He won't use a gimbal. He'll shoot massive shows with yeah. a glide cam. That's like his thing. I think there's a look to it that you miss with the gimbal. It feels much more, uh, human yeah like gimbals are just very like obviously it's robotic you're locked to like a certain access the great thing about a gimbal is your horizon never moves mm-hmm. and with the glide cam you can sometimes have swaying yeah left to right but in a way that can add a, a feel to it i like the robotic feel to it yeah it's my preference i uh i think the trick really is to use um like 
a boosted board or a one wheel or sit in a wheelchair or something mm. if you really want to get your footsteps out or even use like a i think you can buy like steadicam vests for a gimbal now mm. um because the footsteps can really get into it a gimbal up, yeah. and it can mess it up although i i still own the movi m5 the free fly mm. and i still think the free fly movies like look so much better than a lot of the kind of like cheaper gimbals that everybody's shooting on now. Mm-hmm. Um, DJI has gotten a lot better for sure, but um, yeah, those those two handed like old school movies like they still look they great. crash. Yeah, yeah. How have you evolved into the creator you are today? Mm-hmm. You can ask that. I'll ask that one first because two questions. Okay. Um, world experience, um, personal experience. All the best art always comes from personal experience. Um, everybody has a unique perspective to tell. So it's like your job as a creative to tell that, whether it's through music and lyrics or through story and video. So that's kind of it. And then, uh, what tools do you use to learn new techniques and improve? Um, I guess, you know, watching like a lot of like, well, okay. It's a kind of a double-edged sword. You have like, you need to understand the software like extremely well, um, mm-hmm. whether your editors, final cut or premiere, but then even after effects, like you need to n- have a foundational knowledge of how things work. Yeah. So the reason why I preface what I'm about to say with that is now I can, for the most part, watch something and have like a 90 plus percent idea of like how it was executed. Yeah. Um, so I think that's incredibly important because now once you do that, you kind of have like the unlock to your mm-hmm. creativity. You know, Absolutely. nothing's nothing's really like smoke and mirrors anymore. It's just like, okay, they did it this way. Like that was a really good idea. How yeah. do we like do it a little different now? You can deconstruct it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I went to like a Vincent Lafrade, you know who he is? Mm-hmm. He was the first guy to shoot on a 5D Mark II for video mm, back okay. in 2008. Um, and he had an education course and he talked about like one of the best ways to learn is to literally just put in a movie that you like and watch certain scenes over and over and over and deconstruct it. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have to necessarily go to film school. You can actually watch right. a movie and learn from the movie. Just don't watch it as a viewer. Right. Watch it as a technician. Dude, I miss those days when the it was the 70 and then the 5D yep. too. When that was it my was first like camera was the, the 70. Yeah, the first uh I think those were the first DSLRs that did video and yep. like everybody was just like it changed oh. the whole industry. Oh my god, yeah. Cuz overnight at least for us, I was shooting weddings at the time with a friend who had a wedding film company and we sold our like camcorders with like a lettuce adapter the 35 mm-hmm. millimeter yep, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah <laughs> it was like this bazooka big camera, thing, yeah but it looked great because he had the depth of field but it was terrible in low light and it was huge and like ridiculous and we sold that and bought a 5d2 and then i eventually got two 70s and some ef lenses and like overnight the cameras shrunk they got cheaper yeah it's great and they looked way better it's great it was such a revolution. It's not even that long ago, too. No. It's crazy. I mean, how... Well, it's 11 years now, 10 years. Was that that long ago? 2008. This is like really cool question that someone asked me on a podcast, and so I'm totally stealing it from him, but I All think good. it's a great question. If you could have anything on a billboard in Times Square mm-hmm. that's just like a quote or a saying that you could just put out there in the world for people to read, to mm-hmm. see, like what's the message that you'd want to put on like a, a Times Square I don't sign. Know. I'd say believe in yourself. That's would awesome. be the first thing right away. Um, I think uh, a lot of people won't um, make decisions or go after what they want in life because they're afraid of external judgment. They're afraid of failure. Um, and I think uh, the pain 
of regret and the pain of not doing something is far more uh, scary than the pain of like being let down or, or failing. So I would just say like, believe in your idea, believe in yourself and uh, just like go after it. I love it. Mm. And to wrap this whole thing up, what words of wisdom do you have for creatives that want to do what you're doing that are inspired by what you've done over the last 10 years um, with some just words of inspiration you can give them? I think you just, you got to love it. Um, Cause I, I don't want to paint a picture that everything's like romantic and easy. Cause it's, it's far from that. And it's very difficult um, to like really make it. Uh, and I'm not saying like I have by any means, like there's still a lot that I want to do. Um, but I would say the first thing would be just love what you're doing. Um, and then just become world-class at it and whatever that means, whether it's, uh, becoming a world-class writer or world-class editor, whatever, like your like domain of expertise is be better than everyone around you in that. And then, and then we'll start talking and then, then you'll be able to do what you want to do. But the, the first and foremost thing is be world-class at your skill set, be a good person. And then that kind of like opens everything for you. Amazing. Matt Como, thanks for coming in. Sweet. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's great me. to meet you, bro. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Matt Como. If you're interested in seeing some more of his work, then I definitely encourage you to check out his Instagram account and his YouTube account. Follow him on Instagram at Matt J Como. That's spelled K-O-M-O. And you can see him on YouTube, just Matt Como. One video that I highly recommend you guys check out is a video titled Dear Mom and Dad. It's a video that we talked about in our conversation. He has some like old archival VHS footage in that one. I really love the video. Everything that he does is amazing. So definitely check out his YouTube channel, Matt Como. Again, just a reminder, if you are a fan of the show, please consider subscribing and share this episode with someone who you think would be inspired from it. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast. We'll see you next week.